Good morning. Wow, you know, I could go for a run this morning. What about you guys? Yeah, yeah it'd be good, huh? Um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to, uh, I'm ready to, I'm ready to rock. I'm ready to rock, yeah. So, well, this week I'm 40. This week is my birthday. And uh, so feel free to uh, bless me this week. Um, you know, might as well make the most of it. I'm looking forward to school this week. I've told every class that they could bless me in the classroom. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a good, interesting week. But, uh, well, it's good to have Kim with us all the way from Port Macquarie. And uh, well, I know God's uh, teaching us some stuff up there. I'm not sure what God could teach you outside of Bridgewater, but uh, it's good to have her. You know, I, I'm, it's really... Uh, it's lucky that Port Macquarie, uh, uh, Kurong has no coffee shop, um, because when, when, yeah, would you give us a coffee if we come in? Okay, there you go. Cool. But um, when 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 they rang me up and said, you know, we're we, we're gonna we're gonna steal your um, we're gonna steal one of your ladies from your church, I'm like, whoa, you're stealing someone out of the kingdom of heaven. How does that work? <laughs> you know, and uh, I sort of said to him, you know, and I said, that's okay. I said, as long as you, um, I said, you do me a deal if she, if she goes. He said, well, tell me what you're thinking. I said, uh, you give me coffee when I come to Kurong. And I haven't had a free coffee from Kurong yet either. And, um, and he said, uh, yeah, that's, he, we can do that. And I said, what about for my congregation? <laughs> See, I'm thinking of you guys thinking of you guys, you know, and um, he wouldn't go that one, I'm not sure, but he still hasn't given me a free coffee, can you remind him sometime please, Kim, thanks, that'd be good, and uh, <laughs> so, but um, yeah, this morning I uh, just want to um, speak on uh, some, some scriptures from 1 Samuel chapter 3. And, and before we speak, I, I might I'll just pray. Lord, uh, we thank you for your presence, Father. We, we thank you for life and all its abundance. God, that you don't leave us homeless. You don't leave us as orphans. You don't leave us lonely. You don't leave us eternally damned. But God, you actually choose us out of the world, out of destruction, out of nothingness. God, you chose us and you poured your love into us. You poured your life and you, you, you pour everything you are as we, we choose to take them. And Father, I just pray this morning that we could take a little bit more of what you want to give us. Lord, that your word won't become insignificant, that your spirit won't move and we won't hear and we won't see and we won't listen, but that, Lord, you would, you would move and you would speak and we would hear and we would obey and we would love. So, God, I pray that this morning you would just come and just touch us, show us, let us love each other, and let us come to a place, Lord, where we, we realize that, that you are creator, you are God, you are everything. And you want us to just acknowledge you and acknowledge what you want to do in our lives. So, Father, I pray that you would just speak to us this morning. God, that our hearts won't be distracted, our hearts won't be distant. Our hearts, even though they might be destroyed, Lord, that they would be built up. Our hearts, even though they might be, Father, feeling desperate, Lord, this morning, that you would bring them to a place where they're at peace. And so, God, I ask that this morning in your name, for your glory. Amen. Amen. I want to read from, uh, it's quite a long chapter, so I want to just read it. It's 1 Samuel chapter 3. 1 Samuel chapter 3, and I'm going to read a bit. Um, so just plug in for a little while, keep attentive, and uh, just see what God's saying to you. 
1 Samuel chapter 3. And it says, Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now, in those days, messages were from the Lord were very rare, and visions were very quite uncommon. And one night, Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. Suddenly, the Lord called out, Samuel. Yes, Samuel replied, what is it? He got up and he ran to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, Eli replied. Go back to the bed. So he did. Then the Lord called out to Samuel again. Again, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, my son, Eli said. Go back to bed. Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. So the Lord called a third time, and once more Samuel got up and he went to Eli. Here I am, did you call me? Then Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, go and lie down again, and if someone calls again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. I hope that's what we say when God talks to us. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Samuel had never heard a message from God yet. This is one of the first times he had heard a message from God. If you've never heard the voice of God before, maybe this morning you're going to hear it. When you hear the voice of God, it's very defining. It alters your whole life. It, it throws your whole life out of line. It should. The Word of God should impact your whole life. It should impact the very moment that it hears. It should stir your heart and soul. I've heard the voice of God at times where I've not been able to sleep at night. It should stir your heart. And if you've never heard the voice of God, then get ready to hear it. Be willing to hear it and let it stir your heart and soul. And when God speaks to you in some way, just be prepared to do here what Eli told Samuel to do. Hey, yeah, Lord, your servant is listening. What do you want for my life? So Samuel went back to bed and the Lord came and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, Speak, your servant is listening. Then the Lord said to Samuel, I'm about to do a shocking thing in Israel. I'm going to carry out all my threats against Eli and his family from beginning to end. I have warned him that judgment is coming upon his family forever, because his sons are blaspheming God's God, and he hasn't disciplined, disciplined them, so I have vowed them that the sins of Eli and his sons will never be forgiven by, by sacrifices or offerings. Wow, that's a hard word for your first word that you've ever heard from God. Hey, go and tell someone that's kind of been uh, spiritually walking with God for longer than you, that's been a, a priest at the tabernacle or at the, in, in the, in the uh, tabernacle. If he's been a priest for so long, go and tell him that what his family is doing is wrong. Man, I think that must be one of the hardest messages a person can give a person. Hey, you know, I'm just watching your family here, and I just don't think it's right. I think your family are way off. I don't know if that's an easy message to give anyone, especially someone that you would respect. Eli was respected. He was a priest. He ministered at the temple. His, his, his job as a priest was to hear the voice of God or, or to minister at the temple for the whole of Israel. So there was respect for, for who Eli was, but for somehow, somewhere along the line, his family had kind of gone off the tracks and now they were coming under like a judgment of God. How is it that a family could so walk off the tracks that they would come under God's judgment. And the first voice that Samuel ever had to hear was, hey, go and tell Eli that his family's not right before God. Man, I don't know if that's an easy message to give. I'm not sure if anyone could really give that message here. That would be hard. I know it's hard. I've had to give that message before. It just kind of rocks your world. You don't feel... Uh, you don't feel yourself up to the standard. You don't feel yourself that you've kind of like even got doing anything great in your own family. And, and God would have you share something about, hey, you know, how are your kids? You know, what are they really doing? What's God really doing in your family? It's really a hard message to give. But here's the first message. And Samuel's got to say, yes, well, Lord, you know, you, your servant is listening. And so Samuel stayed in verse 15 in bed until morning, then got up and he opened the doors of the tabernacle as usual. 
He was afraid to tell Eli what the Lord had said to him. Of course he is. But Eli called out to him, Samuel, my son, here am I. Samuel replied, what did the Lord say to you? Tell me everything. And may God strike you even, and even kill you if you hide anything from me. So Samuel told Eli everything. He didn't hold anything back. Here's Eli. Hey, be honest with me. What did God say to you? Your first message. Come on, let me bless me. Bless me with your first message. I wonder how many of us are really that open to kind of say, you know what, just tell me what you think God's saying to you about me. What is it you see in my life that could be altered? What is it that you could see in my life that, that could grow, that would need some kind of repairs and some kind of, kind of attitude change, some kind of thought change, kind of, some kind of lifestyle change? What do you think God would say to you so that my life somehow could be a greater blessing? It's a hard thing to do, to just say to someone, hey, what do you think? What do you see in me? What do you see? How could I benefit the world? How could I change? I don't know if you've ever asked someone that. Husband and wives don't ask each other that. They just get it. You know, darling, if you could do this, it'd be good. Oh, I wasn't really asking at this time, but yeah, okay, I'll think about it. Okay? But what about with each other? So Samuel told Eli everything. He didn't hold anything back. It is the Lord's will, Eli replied. Let him do what he thinks best. Whoa. This is God's will. You've told me, Samuel, that my family are not really going well. And this is God's will, and I can hear God's voice in what you're saying. As Samuel grew up, the Lord was with him, and everything Samuel said proved to be reliable. And all Israel, from Dan in the north to Beersheba in the south, knew that Samuel was confirmed as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh and gave messages to Samuel there at the tabernacle. And Samuel's words went out to all the people of Israel. And I think there's a key here with Samuel prophesying, with Samuel saying what God wanted him to say. And it says that, that Samuel was reliable and everything that he said was reliable for the Lord. His life lived a lifestyle where you could trust the word of God coming through Samuel because people looked at his life and there was a consistent pattern of hearing from God, walking with God, living for God, being changed by God, having an attitude that served the kingdom of God. It wasn't just this one-out guy that was having a prophet, uh, some prophetic word every now and then would just throw it out there. But you know, you, everything else he's doing is really just not from God. He's just living this life and every now and then he'll just throw something out there. But here we saw some reliability. Even though it was the first time that he heard the voice of God. He went on to consistently live a life that God could be pleased with. And I think that's, that's the, 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 the key to, a, to, to someone that is going to impact God's kingdom, that we consistently see a life. Uh, 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 like I, I read this quote yesterday. It, it said that, um, yeah, God wants our ability, but God also wants even greater, he wants our stability. He wants our ability, but he wants our stability. Our stability that we're planted in him. That our foundations are built in God. Our, our foundations are planted in the kingdom of heaven. That we are strong in the kingdom of heaven. That we, we know the word, that we're grounded in the word, that we're, we're doing life in God's church, the body of Christ. That there's people around us that, that bring the different edge to what the body of Christ is. And here we see something that's reliable because we see that Samuel consistently lived the life. He lived the life. And this morning, I just want to speak on voicemail. Hearing messages from God. Hearing messages from God. Voicemails. I don't know about you, but I'm not sure how many voicemails you've got. You know, you've got somehow, some of us have email. Who has email here? Okay, why don't we do this? Who doesn't have email here? One, two, four. Okay, that's good. Four people, that's all right. Don't feel like an outcast, please. Don't feel like you're kind of like, you know, 
got some form of disease. It's okay. Okay. Who has voicemail? No. Who doesn't have voicemail on their mobile phone? On their mobile phone. Okay. A few less there. Okay. Cool. Cool. Who doesn't receive texts? Well, we got one. She's put put a hand up for everything so far. That's good. It's all right. I think for the first year of having a mobile phone, I never knew how to check text messages. And, you know, someone would want to look at my phone, some young person go, hey, you got text messages. Where? I can't see it. You know, there's a little box up there, you know. That doesn't tell me there's a text message there. What well, does now, but, you know. So, you know, the, who, have, who has a voicemail at home on their home phone? Okay. So, yeah. Yeah, well, we got... Well, who doesn't have a voicemail at home on their home phone? Okay, there's a few more there. Okay. Who receives messages from Facebook? Well, who doesn't receive messages from Facebook? Wow, there's half and half there. Okay. Even I receive messages from Facebook. Not that I always answer them. But, you know... (laughs) You know, and so you've got all these places that you have to retrieve mail from these days. You know what I mean? Um, So check the answering machine at home. Check the voicemail on your mobile phone. Check your text messages, okay? And and then check check your emails to make sure you've got your emails. And and then you've got to, you know, check Facebook to make sure that there's no messages coming through Facebook. So where, where do you stop in receiving all this mail? People want to get at you in any way they can, you know? And and then you've got the ones where, you know, hey, you know, Roger, uh, Michael said to me, uh, can you contact him? I'm like, why doesn't Michael contact me himself? Why does he have to go through you to get to me, like verbally, you know? It's like, so, you know, so someone says to me, hey, someone said this, so can you talk to them about this? So we get these messages coming via telecommunications, then we get these messages coming via people, and we've got these messages everywhere. Yeah, and, and, and the question you've got to ask yourself is, is which messages do I return which messages do I even get around to returning? And kind of what messages are important? You know? Because messages are coming from everyone and anywhere. We, we kind of like just opened up the floor in this day and age to say, hey, receive mail from everyone and anyone. And so this is the kind of the world that we live in. And, and you know... I think kind of messages, I, I got a message on paper this morning, here, it's like this one, I, don't, I can't even remember giving the message, but it's come back, and someone said to me, hey Roger, here's the, here's the account number that you wanted, someone told me to give you the account number, I can't even remember telling them, and I'm like, okay, good, I think it's the wrong one, it's not really what I was after. But okay, I'll do something with that. Okay, you know what I'll do with it? I'll put it in my pocket. Yeah. Craig said it'd go in the wash. He knows well. But I'll, I'll remember later on, I'll be walking around. I know it'll be Monday. I'll be walking around. Okay, things to do. Oh, that's why I wanted it now. Oh, I better got my shorts on. I haven't got my jeans on. Oh, now I'm going to have to call them. Oh, they're not home. I'll leave a message on their voicemail if they could give me the account number again. You know, it's like, what a crazy world we live in, isn't it? It's like, you know, I sometimes I have to apologize to people. Hey, you know what? I got your text, or I got your voicemail, or I got your email, I got your Facebook, but sorry, I just didn't get time to get around to giving it back what you wanted. And, and so, and sometimes it gets so confusing that you're wondering which messages you should be discerning. What, what messages are priority? What messages are, are really uh, you need to, to think about? What messages do you really need to dialogue on? And then some messages I get, I go, you know what? I need to sit down with that person because I don't think we should be talking like that over a mobile phone text. We need to sit and we need to talk because that's going to take 
longer than me just texting three or four words. That's most really going to take them buying me a coffee at a coffee shop and, and me dialoguing with them for like one hour. Two coffees. I can drag it out for one. I don't mind cold coffee. And so, you know, it's like, is this important? Is that, do I get around to that? What's God saying through this? My wife, yesterday, she, she uh, as we're going out the door, she yells at my son. Not, not yells, nicely says. She says, Zach, mow the lawns. I'm thinking, she never tells him to mow the lawns. And then she says, Olivia, do the washing. Hang the washing out. So I'm walking out thinking, why did she tell him to mow the lawns? That's my job. I give that message, not her. And anyway, I told him to do it last week and he did it. It doesn't need mowing again. What gives her this freedom of authority to jump into my shoes and tell my son to mow the lawn? Okay, she can tell Olivia to hang out the washing. And, you know, we all know along the way that it was a lie and it was deceitful because she was trying to trick me. She was trying to trick me that nothing was going on for my birthday. So anyway, last night we're talking about all her deceit and all her lies <laughs> that she kind of like, she's confessing them all, you know what I mean, <laughs> to me last night at two o'clock in the morning, you know, and um, she's confessing all her lies. And, 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 but the thing is, Olivia took her seriously. So Olivia went and hung the washing out. <laughs> but the washing wasn't even washed. <laughs> it was still dirty. So this morning, Angie's saying, Olivia hung the washing out, and it's, it's on the line dirty. I'm like, well, there you go. You tell a lie, there's the consequences of a lie, you know? So the reality is, Angie's trying to communicate a message, but really what she's saying is not this. She's saying this. She's saying something totally different. And in my mind, I'm receiving the message of, that's not your authority. That's not your area. That's not what you should be doing. So this is like these messages are mixed. They're varied. They're coming from everyone and anyone. People, how are you meant to discern the voice of God? How do you discern God's voice in a crazy world when everyone is telling you what you should be doing, how you should be doing it, and where you should be thinking and what you should be buying? who you should be marrying, who you, what you should be, kind of like what job you should have. Parents are telling their kids what, where they should be going to school, why they should be going to school, what kind of career they should have. And in the midst of it, somehow, in all these messages that are coming from everywhere, we have to discern the very voice of God. Now that is more than an art. It's a divine person connected in to the being of God and hearing specifically from Him. Because let me tell you, in the church, you will get many messages of what God, people think of what God is telling you. You will get messages of what you should be doing. You will get messages of how it should be done. And you, you will get podcasts. You will get DVDs. You'll get CDs if you're still on CDs, okay? You'll get a text message. You'll get all these ways where these, somehow these people are trying to communicate to you the message of God and how it works. All these voicemails coming to you, but somewhere, somehow, you are going to have to siphon it out and you are going to have to ask yourself, what is the very voice of God for me. How did he speak and define my life right here? Because when we get a, a, a word from God, when we hear from God, when we get a message from God, let me tell you this, that it's going to define who you are and what your life does and what you exist for. See, when God speaks, that's a powerful thing, isn't it? So when he speaks to you, it's going to define, define everything that you are. It's defined my life. 
It's defined every decision I make. It's defined who I'm married. Yeah, I got a word from God on who I should marry. I heard it. I didn't hear, that's the girl. I just had this confirmation in the spirit that this is the one for me. She wants the things of God. We're going the same way. She sold out for Jesus. She wants me. I want her. Obviously, this is right. Let's go. Obviously, every now and then in the marriage, you go, did I hear right? <laughs> yeah, I heard right. Yep. I heard right. She threw a 40. I heard right. She bought a present. I heard right. I heard right. No, I, I, don't worry. I'd never do that. I'd never question God on that one. I know I heard right. I know I heard right. Amen to that. Bless the soul. And so all these, these people, the, these things are going to come at you. But the, the very voice of God is going to define your life. It's going to define your ministry. It's going to define your marriage. It's going to define your career. It's, it's, it's going to define what you are in the body of Christ, who you are, what you do, how you participate how you contribute, how you take out of it. All these things, that, that, all these ways. And you know what? There's going to be a lot of people, let me tell you, there's going to be a lot of people telling you how you should do it and what you should do. And it's not wrong that they tell you. God uses other people. But God uses other people. He uses like a public ministry, but he also uses a private ministry. On how he will talk to you. God, sometimes he talked with thunder and lightning, but he also talks in silence. When your soul is in silence. But he also talks amongst all the clapping, amongst all the thunder, amongst all the noise where everyone's speaking. He speaks in both ways. And you've, you've got to somehow make, 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 make a, a nice message out of it. Because, as I said, it defines who you are. Very significant times where God will speak to you. It will define who you are, where you go, what you do. And so we can't just, just kind of push it away. See, sometimes what we do is we get so discouraged when someone tells us something. We get so kind of like down and out. And we kind of, but you know what? When someone, just because someone tells us that they feel they've got a word from God, that doesn't mean that God is actually saying that to you. You've got to confirm that with your spirit. What's the spirit of God saying to me? We don't, you know, we don't need to get discouraged about that. We just go, wow, thank you, brother, for trying to hear the voice of God. Thank you so much. I'll go home and I'll pray about that one. We don't need to get down. We don't need to get discouraged because you can come to the throne room of God in and of yourself. I mean, you know, if I was to hear what everyone said, what Bridgewater should be, and how would like, I'd be a confused mess. I'd be in a mental asylum. I would. And I'm like, yeah, well, that's cool. Love it. Go do it. Because I, like, I want to be what God wants me to be. And I love being me and what God wants me to be. Because what God wants me to be and what I do when God speaks to me, it, it empowers me. When God intimately speaks to me, it empowers. When God speaks to you, it will empower. If, if someone speaks to you and says something, if it gets you down, I would be saying, then that's a good place to say that maybe, maybe that's not the word of God. God wants to break chains and bring you into freedom. And it's hard because at times we have to, we hear voice messages from God and we hear it black and white from his word. We read the word and it speaks very directly to us. It's very plain on how we should live and what we should do and what we should think and what our attitude should be. It tells us at times very black and white on what wisdom is. And what foolishness is. It tells us that, 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 that drunkenness is a mocker. And that a person given over to too much wine is a fool. That's very black and white. We don't have to go and discern the spirit for that one. 
You know? We don't have to discern the spirit that having our language and our life is, oh, well, do I need to discern the spirit if that's right or wrong? No, it's wrong. It's black and white. It's in the word. I can take you and I can give you the word of God. It's very black and white that we should, we should honor and respect those that are older than us. That we should obey those that lead us because they care for our souls. It's very black and white. But then at times we have to discern voice messages that are talking more merely from the intimacy and the throne room of God between you and me. And those ones, for some, at times get very difficult. Especially if we've never had a message from God. We'd be like Eli. Oh, was that my mother-in-law speaking in my head? Who's that? Eli, was that you speaking? So Samuel goes back. And he says, Eli, did you, did you yell out? Did you yell out? Eli's like, no, it wasn't me. Go back to bed. Again, okay, he goes back and he sleeps and he hears another voice. He goes back and Eli, did you yell something out? Kind of like, you know, I'm asleep. Eli's like, no. And then he comes back the third time and he says, oh, it's of the Lord. And when the Lord speaks, just say, here, my servant is listening. See, and for us, at times, we're going like, what? Is that really? What is that? Is that a message from God or is, is that a message from my past and how I've been raised as a Christian? Or is that really God speaking to me personally? And so it gets very hard to define all these ways because God speaks in so many ways. He speaks in dreams. He speaks out of his word. He speaks through the spirit of God and intimacy in the throne room with God. He speaks at times in kind of like mixed messages. He speaks right now for the present. But then sometimes he speaks for the future. But he speaks today. But that word today might be for the future. And so you've got to discern, did God speak that word today for me for today? Or did God speak that word today for me for the future? And so you've, you've got to kind of like come to this place where you're trying to discern all these mixed messages and how they play out. I mean, God's definitely, he's spoken to me in, in ways where today he spoke. And, and I'm thinking, okay, yeah, I'm hearing that. I can understand that. And I'll wait on the Lord for that one to come to pass. And I think that's a God word. But you know what? I'm not going to try and run before him. I'm going to see what he opens up. I'm going to try and step into it. I'm just going to see what he opens up. And as he opens it up, then, but as I sometimes walk, some, you know, some, some of the things I get today uh, might be for four years, three years, two years. And then you get three years down the track and, and something comes alive and you go, wow, deja vu. God, I remember God sharing that word three years ago. I remember God saying that three or four years ago to me. And so you have to discern how much do you, do you really pursue that word right now? How much do you really go for it and say, this is a word from God and now I have to pursue it today? Or how much do you, do you just kind of like wait patiently until God opens, really opens up that door? I mean, David right there in the book of Samuel, he wasn't really anointed king over the whole of Israel until chapter, uh, uh, 2 Samuel. But he was told that he was going to be a king right in 1 Samuel. But, that, but, but he became like the king of Judah. But he didn't really fully reign in the whole of Israel until 2 Samuel. And so that word that he got right there when he was a shepherd boy really came to pass years later. And the word of God said that he ruled for so many years as the king of Judah. And then he went on to rule the whole of Israel for another 30 years. And I think he was 40 Wow, what an awesome age. I think it's 40, top of my head. I think that he, that he started to rule over the king of Israel. That significant word that was given to him as a young boy became fruitful years down the track. And here we see Samuel, that, that for the first time in his life, kind of loudly 
loudly but privately heard it. God does crazy things for us to hear his voice. And I think he has to do crazy things for us to get a voicemail from him. You know, God took the children of Israel into the wilderness so that they would hear him. God took Moses to the top of a mountain so that they would hear him. God killed his own son on the cross in front of everyone so that you would hear him. I always say this, that God could have just created a new cloud every day in the sky that said, repent and believe in the kingdom of heaven. That's all he could have done, and we would have looked up and gone, wow, another miracle. Look what it's saying. What are these clouds saying? But for some reason, God did this crazy thing where he, he, he killed his own son so that you could believe that Jesus died for your sin. He'd done a crazy thing. And I believe God has to do crazy things in our lives for us to hear at times. God took me to America. Can you believe it? So that I would come back here and plant a church. And be a part of a plant, church planting team. God took me to America to hear that. Now, I wasn't going to America to think about planting a church. I was going to America for totally different reasons. But it's like God, at times, has to take us out of our environment. Because for some reason, we're not hearing right. Maybe there's just too many voices at time. But God takes us out of our environment just so we can hear him in another way. Maybe we're getting the same messages somehow and they're the wrong messages in our environment at times. But some God has to do something crazy for us to hear. Just like Jerry last year. Jerry goes to Indonesia and he gets a greater filling of the Spirit of God in Indonesia. Why didn't he get it here in Sydney? Why didn't he get it here in, uh, I was going to say Rudy Hill, but we're not in Rudy Hill. Where are we? We're in North Richmond. That's where we are. Okay. I knew that. Okay. And so God has to do that in our lives. He has to take us out of our environment just so we can, we can hear. He has to take us away from the people that sometimes think they are so much hearing for us. You know? Everyone's telling me how I should be or what God's calling is on my life. Everyone's telling me. But I don't see that. And so God has to do this crazy thing where at times he takes us out of our environment. I believe, I believe that, that we, we, we hear a clearer voice of God and a message, a clearer voicemail of God when he takes us out of our environment and we have to get a little bit desperate. Because when we're desperate, we have to get a little bit more intimate. You know, you know what I love about John chapter 14, 15, and 16? That God, Jesus, got so intimate with the Father. He became so intimate. <clears throat> he became so close to his Father that, that in the Scriptures... He says there in, in, in those scriptures, he says there that, that we are one. He says there that, we are, that the world would, would know what unity is because me and the Father are perfect in our unity. And he became so intimate in this place with God the Father that just as he became really intimate, God allowed him to go to the cross. God says, you know, you're filled up now. You're ready. Me and you, are, we're, we're, we're bound so tightly. No one can break this cord. And right now, our intimacy is so deep. You've been so, you know, Jesus, you've been so desperate for us to be connected as one. That right now, I'll let you go through the greatest thing that you'll ever live for on this earth. And that is you will die. You'll be mocked. You'll be rejected by mankind. And right now, you will go through that. He, he, he was at a place of desperation, of intimacy. And at that place of desperation and intimacy, God could give him a greater challenge. See, when we, when we, when we get to this place of desperation and intimacy, where we are so close to God, it's there where we are so drawn into 
a real wholeness with the Father. It's there that God can take us to a place of greater challenge. Amen? Because he knows that we're connected and we can't be broken. Because he knows that if there's anything important, he knows that you as a person, if you're going to go through greater challenges and see something significant in the kingdom of heaven, in the kingdom of God, if you're going to see something significant, he knows there's one thing that must be happening, that you must be totally connected and one with God the Father and one with Jesus yourself. You must be so connected so that those greater challenges can come. If you're not connected, you'll be broken real easy. Yeah, real easy. You'll fall apart real easy. But God allows those, those places of desperation, of intimacy, to be a place where he's, he's wanting us to see if that can be the, the thing that we can do so that we can move on to something greater in our lives. And I, I, I look here in, in John chapter 14, and God says there, he says, he says there that, that Jesus says, if you love me, me and the Father, we will come and we will make a home with you. And we will make a home with you. See, God wants to come in and he wants to directly talk into our lives. He wants to directly speak. He wants to make his home in us. So, you know, it's, it's like he's going to move in. God's going to come and he's going to move in and he's going to say, you know what? This is what I want here in the front of your eyes. This is what I want here in the front of your soul. This is what I want for your heart to have. And so, so God's just going to move all his furniture in. And unfortunately, some of your furniture is going to have to go out of your home. Some of your lifestyle is going to have to go. Some of the way of who you are is going to have to go. Because if, if, if you're going to hear the voice of God, God's going to say, cool, yeah, I want you to hear my voice, but you know what? I'm going to move my home into you. I'm going to move it in. And he says that in, in John chapter 14. Let me read it. In verse 23, Jesus replied, All who love me will do what I say. They will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we will come and make our home, not your home, our home, with each of them. He says he'll make his home. I think sometimes too, too, many, too many Christians are, are trying to make their own home. They're not trying to make God's home. God says, I want to move in, and, and if, I want to speak to you. I want to talk to you. I want to tell you what life is about. He says, all who love me, I'm going to move in. So what is it that we have to move out? Because God wants to bring everything that he has, all his thoughts, all his ways, all his desires, how to live in a marriage, how to live in the workplace, how to live. He wants to bring that in. And unfortunately, you're going to have to throw some stuff out to hear the voice of God. Because if you're not... If you're not Maybe if you're not hearing the voice of God too much, maybe it's because you've still got too much stuff in your home, too much of your stuff, too much of your ways, too much of your thinking, too, many, too much of your attitudes. Eli was just told, Lord, just say, he's your servant. A servant does whatever his master tells him to do. So Eli just said to, to Samuel, just say, here, your servant's listening. And your servant's ready to do what he's got to do. Your servant's willing to change his home, to change his lifestyle, to change his way of thinking, to change even his job if he has to, to change everything that he does, just so that God the Father can make his home with you. But when we've got too much of our own stuff in there, then God can't. There's no room for God, you see. There's no, there's no room. We haven't left any room at all. 
because we've just got all this stuff that's ours. We've got all our own desires. We've all got our own thoughts. We've got our own friends. They're not God's friends sometimes. They're our friends. We've got our job. It's not what God really wanted us to do. It's just what we wanted to do, so we just added God onto it. And so God really hasn't made a home. Because when, when God is in the home, there's definitely a, a deeper connection. And it's home, and, and we want them to sit on our couch. You know, you, if you don't like someone, you don't invite them into your home. The home is the most powerful place of community. If your home is, is, is an open home and people feel like they can come in and you, you tell people to come in and you sit down and they feel relaxed. If you don't, if you don't invite them in, then obviously you're not relaxed about around them. You don't know who they are. You'll never get to know really who they are. But we're inviting God into our home. We're saying, have a, have a seat. Actually, why don't you just have a bed? Actually, why don't you just tell me how I should arrange my furniture, my life? Just give me that, 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 that concept of what my life should look like, Father. Because you're inviting him into the home, and you're not making your own home. See, our, our, our nation, our country, our world, our, our whole thought is how Australians will build their home, build their home with their bricks and their TV screens, and, 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 and their telecommunication systems in there, and, and their bed sheets, and, and whatever it's looking like. What, you know, the tower, they're building their home. But Jesus is saying that me and the Father have to come, and we have to build our home in your home. We have to build our home in your place, and we will make it home. And then love will truly exist. And so God, at times, does these crazy things for us to hear. He has to take us to these crazy places. He has to take us out of our environment, just so that we could, we could hear what he's saying. I don't know if you've, you've done crazy things just so that God could hear you. You could hear God, sorry. We, we see it. It happens all the time. I always say to people, isn't it interesting? that Moses had to go to Midian for 30 years just for God to say, you know what, that's not where I want you. I actually want you back in Egypt and I want you to lead the people out of Egypt. Moses said, oh, I don't want to do that. But I, I believe that God, I believe that we can make wrong choices. We can hear the voice of God wrong. And you know what, don't worry about that, okay? Don't get freaked out about that. Well, I heard the voice of God. Don't condemn yourself. You don't have to feel bad that you heard the voice of God wrong. I mean, look at, come on, look at Samuel. Hey, Eli, is that you? Duh. I'm not saying anything. Who are you? You know, the second, hey, hey, Eli, are you speaking to me? No, I'm not speaking to you. It's, it's okay. You can be wrong in what you hear. Okay? God ain't going to condemn you. You know what? I find that sometimes God takes us and he takes, we go to a wrong place. And when we're in that wrong place, then God says, you know what? You know why you're here in the wrong place? Because now I can talk to you. See, this is not where I wanted you. I wanted you over here. And so, see, when we make a wrong decision, when we, when we, when we thought we were all spiritual, and we heard the voice of God, and we went and did something, and then we go, oh, oh no, I'm wrong. It's okay. Because God, what God is looking for is that you're just open and you're still teachable. I mean, our children do it all the time, don't they? Didn't I tell my son to do that? Why is he doing that? Is he reading me wrong or what? You get all these mixed messages. I remember Levi, like for, for maybe a year, for a year my, he was, he was kind of trying to convince my wife and me. Oh, he'd already convinced me. I had no big deal with it. He was trying to convince Ange that it would be okay for him to ride to school or to ride wherever on the road. And I'm thinking, yeah, sweet. That's no big deal. He'll be right. Cars will get out of the way. You know what I mean? You know? And well, I'm not saying that. I'm just like, on the head, I'm agreeing. Ange is disagreeing. No, it's dangerous on the road. You know what I mean? People, you know, there's no footpaths here. Well, he's not riding on the footpath, he's riding on the road. Okay? And we got helmets. You know what I mean? And uh, it's not that far to school. It'd be fun. He'd like it. He'd enjoy it. 
And so, you know, but every time he kind of raised the issue, he'd come up against Andrea's fear that he could get knocked over and, I don't know, maybe die or something. But, um, and so, you know, so I suppose that's the motherly instinct. And the fatherly instinct is, yeah, have a go. That'd be good. You know, get fit, enjoy it, you know, really get into it, you know. And so, but oh, I'm just keeping it to myself. And so I'm agreeing with Ange. Okay, he shouldn't ride on the road. Okay, let's not let him ride. Anyway, one day he rings me up and he says to me, he says, you know, Dad, can I just ride to the school? I'm like, because we've let him ride to the shops, it's not far. I'm like, yeah, school's just down the road, Glossadia Primary School, he can just ride down there, it's no big deal. Rings up Mum, hey Mum, can I just ride to the school? She's like, yeah, fine. She's thinking the same thing, it's Glossodia, you know what I mean? It's just down the road, no big deal. Anyway, Levi rides to the school. Anyway, that day I was going to the school to pick up uh, Eliza at Freeman's Reach, which obviously you know is further away. And as I ride to the uh, drive to the school, I pull up in the car and there's Levi at Freeman's Reach Primary School. And I'm like, oh, okay. When he said school, he meant Freeman's Reach. He didn't mean Glossodia. And so I'm like, hey, how you going, man? He's like, good. I'm going home now. I just got here. I'm like, okay, cool. I thought you meant Glossodia. No, I didn't mean Glossodia. I mean Freeman's Reach. I'm like, okay. And so I tell Ange, oh, so Levi, ra- he rode his bike to Fre- He what? He rode there? I'm like, did he tell you? Yeah, he told me Glossodia. Did he tell you Glossodia? No, he told me he's going to the school, and I just thought Glossodia. I said, but yeah, he loved it. It was good. It was fine. Look, he's here. He's Okay. From then on, Levi can ride to school whenever he wants now. And for some reason, the fear went. Even though there was a miscommunication, even though somehow we kind of thought we heard something, but we heard something different, it allowed us to see that this was okay. This is what maybe was easier Levi could do. There was no fear in it. There was no wrong in it. And see, I believe that at times, God allows us to do wrong things. See, the Word of God says that He works everything together for good to them that love God. He works it together. And so He allows us to make a wrong choice, even to go somewhere and serve in the wrong place. But then, you know what I love about it? He'll show us why it's wrong and how we can do it different and now where we should move to and what we should do. People, don't get scared. When God does crazy things in our lives, don't get scared of making wrong decisions. I've made some dumb ones. I'll put my hand up. But I know this. Those dumb decisions that I've made, those wrong decisions that I've made, God's taught me. It's taught me that he's not a God of, of, of where he's just going to condemn me and he's going to judge me. But he's going to say, hey, that was a bit of fun, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Let's not do that again. Okay? Let's do it this way. Let's listen a bit closely next time. And so if we're going to hear the voice of God, we're going to sometimes going to get out of our environment. Sometimes we're going to get, do crazy things. Sometimes, you know, if we're going to hear the voice of God, there's one thing we're going to have to be, and we're going to have to be very attached to God himself. John chapter 14 and 15 is that Jesus was very much attached. You have to be walking real close to God to want to hear his voice, real close. Because I believe that if if we're not walking real close, you see, when the hard times come, when the hardships in everyday life come, and if we're not really attached will break. We will break. We will fall apart. But I believe that when we're really attached, when we're really close to God, and when we're, in, we're intimate with Him, one thing that's going to have is that when we go through the hardship, see, Jesus, when He went through the hardship of chapter 18 of, of John, when He went through the hardship, He didn't say, Oh, curse them all to hell. He sat on the cross and he said, you know what, Father, forgive them. 
I mean, you know, come on, God, Jesus could have just, he just could have cursed them all. He could have thrown out judgment. But no, because right before the hardship happened, he was so attached to God the Father that the first thing that he could think of is, one, there's a man standing right next to me. Well, he's not standing. He's actually hanging. Okay, There's a man hanging right next to me, and he needs to enter the kingdom of heaven today. I'm here. I'm in pain. I'm on the cross. I'm taking the burden of sin, mate. Will you just be quiet for a second and listen to me? You know what I mean? I'm taking the, I'm like taking the sin of the world. And he says, tonight you will be with me in paradise. His, he had a love and a care for someone else at the depth of his problems, at the depth of his trouble, at the, the place where he was hurting the most, Jesus throws open the kingdom of heaven and says, here is a man that today needs the kingdom of heaven. Today, you will be with me in paradise. And then he reaches out his arms and all his problems and all his troubles. And he says, Father, forgive them, will you? I'm so close to you at the moment that I'm not feeling the hurt. I'm not feeling the pain. What I'm doing is I'm throwing out your love because I'm so attached. I'm so close to you that I want you to go into their home and I want you to dwell with them. There was an attachment that you couldn't go past. Even in chapter 13, where Jesus says, if you want to be a servant, you must be last. And he says, you can, you can serve God by just being a servant, by being the, the last in the kingdom of heaven. He says, and then you'll be the first in the kingdom of heaven. And then right there, when he's talking about this place of servanthood, of, of loving your master, of loving God, right at that time, there's this, 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 this trial that comes. He's rejected and he's betrayed. And he's denied by Peter. Right at that time, he's rejected and he's denied. Right at the time where he shares the depth of what it is to love God and be someone significant in the kingdom of heaven. God, it's like God says, yeah, you've got it. You've got the picture. You know what it takes. Okay, so now that you know what it takes, I'm going to watch you and you're going to be rejected and you're going to be denied. And the world is going to hate you. See, only someone that is close to God and is hearing God's voice can take that rejection, can take being, uh, you know, being hated by the world. Only someone that is close to God, someone that is not close to God and is not trying to discern God's voice in the crazy places, in the silence, in the spirit, in the word, in the public, and in the private. The person that's not trying to hear God's voice in the parable, in the dream from the prophet. If the person is not trying to hear God's voice in all those avenues, that if he's not deep, if he's not intimate, when the hardship comes, he breaks. He falls away. His marriage just disintegrates. His job becomes boring. He doesn't know what he's living for. He is no longer passionate. He is no longer having purpose. He's no longer got the desire of God in his heart because he was not trying to discern the voice of God because he was not intimate. And so when the, the problems came, when everything started to just drop around him, he dropped with it. But when he was so deep, and when he was so intimate and all he was trying to discern was God's voice and the spirit and God's voice and the word and God's voice and the dream and God's voice in the public and God's voice in the private and God's voice on the mountain and God's voice in the silence. When he was trying to discern all these voicemails and all these emails, when he was trying to discern it, he heard it and he stayed strong. Because all things work together for good to them that love God. And the word of God tells us in Peter 
that this was the intimacy that the prophets of old looked for, that the generation before looked for, but they never found it. But you today can have it. You. It fell apart for them, for it was not for them. But you today can hear God's voice. He can speak to you in a number of different ways. It's not just going to come in one way. It's going to take you sitting down, contemplating, you walking, you serving, you questioning, you asking, is this a voice message for me? I heard the pastor speak, but is it a voice message for me? I heard one of the leaders speak, but is this a voice message for me? I heard a little child speak. I heard a little guy, just a little guy, speak something from God. Is this for me? I was in turmoil. Is this for me? And God replies in his word. He replies, and instead of giving chaos, he gives peace in the chaos. And instead of giving condemnation, he gives freedom in the hard place. That's how God speaks in all those ways. And it's for those that listen intently, James says. For those that listen intently, they go to the Word, they go to the mirror, and they listen intently. They have this one thing in mind. Today is a new day, and today do I hear him speak? I want you to just close your eyes now. Because I believe that a voicemail from God is a defining factor in our lives. It's very defining. And when you get to listen to it regularly, when you get to hear it regularly, it will define the choices you make every day. It will define the decisions. It will define your life, your, your very life. It will change your life around. And I want you to just ask, have I heard God speak today? Have I heard God speak? And if you clearly heard God speak to you today, if you directly heard your soul pound today, and this morning I want you to just stand if that was you. If your heart pounded, if the message spoke directly to you because you were hearing and wanting to hear the voice of God this morning, then I want you to just stand this morning. Hear the voice of God. Obey you're a servant just listening. Is anyone else that this morning they felt that there was a word for them? They felt that God spoke to them. If that was you this morning, just stand. I'm just going to ask you to come, just come to the front. I'm going to pray for you. Those that are standing, just come to the front. We want to pray for you. we just come in? I'm going to ask the worship team to, to come and we just, I'm just going to pray for these guys. Lord, thank you. Thank you that you spoke directly somehow this morning to these folk. I 
And Lord, I pray that they would have discerning hearts. Discerning hearts. Hearts that are open, that are willing. And I pray that they would receive a message that's clear. Father, that they would discern it in the well-being of your word and your spirit, in the might of your power and your peace. God, that they would receive it. Thank you for their openness, for their willingness this morning. Do something great in their lives, Father, as they draw closer to you. Let them be so close that nothing else matters, but all that you say is the only thing that matters, Father. We thank you. Lift them up to mighty places. I see these four faces and I see four hungry people, hungry for you, thirsty for more of what you have, thirsty for your heart and your soul, thirsty to bring others into your kingdom and to disciple. Thank you. I pray that you would let them have more. You would let them have more and see more as they faithfully faithfully each one here I know has sacrificed much let them continue to see more of your kingdom grow them into people that would flourish people of influence people of your power and your spirit God bring your heart into them, your home and let it dwell with them that they would be at peace with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.